Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, and reference right in your little ears. I'm your host, Susan McGuire, here to guide you on our journey through all things bookish and library land. When I worked in libraries, friends would muse on how nice and quiet the library must be in the summer, to which I would say, ha! Summer is the busiest time of year in public libraries. Folks are coming in to stock up on vacation reading, kids are off from school and need extra programming to keep them busy, and oh yeah, summer reading. That's right, it's summer reading time, which means it's time for our annual check-in with Summer Scares, the summer reading program that is the result of the combined efforts of the Horror Writers Association, United for Libraries, Book Riot, and, ahem, Booklist. Summer Scares brings the joys of reading horror to all ages, with a selection of books that will suit the needs of newbies and horror veterans alike. Up first, I spoke to librarian Conrad Stump, who is on the Summer Scares Committee, and Rebecca Leanna from the Racine Public Library in Wisconsin, who has participated in Summer Scares for the past few years. We talked about programming, reader's advisory, and the Wisconsin version of Tiger King. Then I got together with two more members of the Summer Scares Committee, author spokesperson Daniel Krauss and RA for All proprietress Becky Spratford. We talked about the benefits of mining the backlist for titles, working with experts in creating creepy fiction, and the universality of dread, something all ages can enjoy. Finally, Booklist's own Julia Smith and I sat down to talk about the middle grade selections this year, including a tale about a small zombie problem. Enjoy this deep dive into this year's Summer Scares program, but first, a word from some friends. Want to share that great Booklist Reader's Advisory content with your patrons? Now it's easy with Booklist Reader, a selection of backlist booklists and best ofs designed with your patrons' reading needs in mind. Want to know the best book group books? Booklist Reader has a list. Looking for great middle grade graphic novels? There's a list for that. What about the best mysteries and thrillers on audio? You better believe Booklist Reader has a list for that, too. Best of all, the titles featured are already on your shelves, so no need for frustrating holds cues. Booklist Reader is included with your subscription to Booklist, so you can share this digital magazine on your library's website or newsletters. Find Booklist Reader on booklistonline.com reader issues and start sharing the great reader's advisory content with your patrons today. Hi, everyone. I am here with Rebecca Liana from the Racine Public Library in Wisconsin and Conrad Stump from the Library Center in Springfield, Missouri. And we are going to talk about Summer Scares programming. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. So, Conrad, let's start with you. We're we're going to talk to Becky and Dan and Julia about the books that they selected for Summer Scares. But can you sure. talk about Summer Scares, the program? Yeah, definitely. So this is, I believe, the fifth year that we've been doing Summer Scares. And essentially what it is, is it is the Horror Writers Association's Summer Reading Initiative. So, you know, our goal is really to connect libraries with the horror genre, get them engaged with it, get them, you know, connecting with their patrons about it. And so essentially what we do is a committee of five library workers and a summer scare spokesperson, we select nine titles, uh, three in each age group, so adult, young adult, and middle grade. And, you know, we kind of put those out there so that library workers have this list of vetted titles that, you know, they probably already have in their collections or that they should have in their collections. And then we provide them the resources to, 
you know, engage with their communities about that, whether it is just kind of through readers advisory, book talking, whether it's book discussions or whether it's through public programming. We really just try to, you know, make it so that library workers aren't so scared <laughs> to connect with the horror genre and to connect with this program. And, you know, I've been very pleased by the response to it every year. We have a great, you know, backlist of, of authors and people who are now sort of in the Summer Screws family. And so, you know, I, I love just seeing the program grow every year. Yeah, I think it, it can be a doubly scary prospect. It, summer reading is a huge undertaking. And then hor horror, if you're not a horror reader, can feel really intimidating. So I love that Summer Scares kind of makes both things easy for people. Yeah, it, it does. It's it's pretty nice. And it it touches on all different types of scares. So we try to be really mindful of, you know, what we're covering. And, you know, so we try to reach people who might like a bit more gore or like, you know, uh, extreme horror and the people who sort of like, you know, the lighter horror, the sort of gothic chillers or just whatever your sort of scare threshold is, we try to really balance that so that we're offering a, a nice array of types of scares. Right. So, and we'll have um, a link to the program guide in the show notes, which is this fabulous document that you, Conrad, and folks at the Springfield Green County Library District put together. Do you want to real quick walk folks through what they'll find in there? Yeah, definitely. I'm super excited about the guide. <clears throat> I think this is, you know, the third or fourth year that we've done it, and it's really been well-received. And so basically, you know, it starts with an overview of the program. You get to meet the committee, the spokesperson, who this year, of course, is Daniel Krauss. And there is also like a flyer that libraries can kind of just print out and put up that has the nine Summer Scares titles. So they can promote the program. They can build displays around that. And then each of the nine titles gets its own page, which will include sort of appeal factors, ways to book talk the book with those appeal factors, different read-alikes. So if you are building a display, you can not, not only include the nine Summer Scares titles, but you can include all of the read-alikes. So it gives you a lot to kind of play with with that. And then each book gets four sample programs. So if you just want to do some like one-off programs, if you want to plan a whole series, you can do that. Um, there's always an author interview idea in there and like things to discuss with the authors. Um, a lot of times there will be, you know, kind of movie nights where you can have partner with a the local theater, have a discussion afterwards. There are opportunities to connect with local writers, perhaps a area chapter of the HWA for like writing programs. So there are a ton of different program ideas in there. And then there are also uh, reading group guides for each book. So, right, if you were a book discussion leader, you know, you have this sort of jumping off point of questions uh, that you can use and build upon or kind of just take from. And so it's really about get, giving people the resources to plan things around these books. And then at the back of the guide, every year there's been a, sort of an article related to summer scares. And so the first couple of years, I think it was me talking about programming. And last year we had uh, Yaka Sabat from Novelist, who's one of our partners, talk about their resources to pair with summer scares. And then this year, there's an article by Ben Rubin with uh, Pitt Libraries uh, and the Horse Studies Archive there, who's another one of our partners, talking about their collections and uh, ways to engage with that. And then something that we added last year that I really love 
that we have again this year is sort of new and upcoming books by summer series authors and spokespeople. So it's kind of a way to keep those people in the summer series family, promote them. And, you know, it's a great reader's advisory tool in its own. So that's kind of an overview of what the guide is. Um, like I said, you can find it online. Uh, there's a ton of stuff in there, you know, so depending on the, kind of how much you want to engage, it should cover all of those bases. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful piece of work. I tell you what. Thank you. I appreciate you that. See it every year, <laughs> Rebecca. So you your library participated in summer scares. Tell us a little bit about Racine has done in the past. Did you use the program guide? Did you go out on your own? Did you do programs for all ages? Tell tell us everything. <laughs> so we actually so we did our very first summer scares in 2021. So this is our third year now for it. What we did during that time, we were still doing virtual only programs. So everything was was done virtually. So we didn't actually have a lot of programs outside of just the regular book discussions. And then we got to talk to Alma Katsu, which was just fantastic. Like she's amazing to talk to. And so that was that was very exciting because like that was the first time that I had actually got to like interact with an author. And so that was exciting for me because even though it was virtual, I was like, yes. Because authors are rock stars, man. <laughs> they are. And they're so <laughs> much fun to talk to. And so then last year for 2022. And we are very lucky because our friends of the library actually sponsor Summer Scares for us every year. So they pay us or they pay for our book kit. So we get uh, 10 copies of each title so that we can have it. And that's for all nine titles, too. So we we do the middle, the young adult and the adult. And so they pay for all of those titles so we can do book club kits. And then it's fantastic because Conrad's already put all of the questions for us together. And so we just like copy and paste that into documents and print that out. So I don't even have to create my own discussion guides. They're already there. But last year it was exciting because we actually got to do more in-person programming and so we still had virtual author talks because unfortunately they can't like fly the authors around yes. to all of the libraries which I don't know maybe just mine because you know <laughs> we've yeah. been working really hard on this you're but the summer stairs star so you know I am <laughs> but we were able to do a lot of like in-person programs last year. And so we were, we created like little rock necklaces for beetle. What is it? Beetle bone? Beetle and the hollow bones. Beetle and the hollow bones. Because in that book they have a, she has a little piece of a crystal that holds her like soul or her magic or whatever. So we, we got to do that. We did how to create your own graphic novel program so people could come in and like learn the steps on what is a graphic novel how to do that that was a lot of fun our teen librarian did oh i don't remember it's the is it, it's with ash the movie with is it ash the 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 oh, campy I can't remember the the very campy oh, um yeah so what is that called like i know the actor i can there's army of name. darkness yes yeah, I think that's it. Was one of those okay? Um, and so she held she held a a, a a movie night that, and like I think we were able to watch one of those with our our movie license. And so we do that this year. We're we're struggling a little bit because I don't think any of us have read any of the stories. And so like this is the first year where we're like, huh, what are these books about? So that's interesting. I did. I've already done 
I've already read Catherine House and Ring Shout because I do all of the adult programming, and I'm just I like it's it's a struggle because I'm just like want to do fun things. So I think what we're doing this year is we're just, instead of having discussions, we're going to just find weird craft things to make and do it that way. But we are thinking of having our local ghost investigators come in. So yes. we partnered with them last year and we did a haunted tour of the the downtown Racine area. And so I think we're going to have them come back in sometime this summer and do a ghost infects investigation at the library because Ooh. I know one of the teen one of the YA books deals with spiritualism and so then we were going to do that and I think we were also talking about creating our own ghost photos using like photoshop so that we'll have <laughs> we can have the teens come in and like take photos and then like superimpose them on top of each other to create our own like ghost spiritual p- photographs yeah nice that's um, super cool is the movie that we were trying to think of, The Evil Dead? Part yeah, two? I thought yes. about that. I was like, oh, yeah. that was wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I know people are probably yelling at the podcast. I'm I sure. Know, I, I know. I, I don't know movie titles. But isn't it that, aren't they both Bruce Campbell, though? Yes. Yeah, I think they're I both. Trying. So, you know, I was kind of right. He's Ash. You gave us yeah. the clues that we needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rebecca, when do you guys start planning for summer scares? And do you, is this like an additional, in addition to other summer reading programs, or is this like your big summer reading program? Oh, no, no, no. We are, we are doing full on summer reading program following the, the All Together Now theme that is created by whoever that consortium is. I don't remember their name ever, <laughs> but the national ALA national group that creates it. So we're doing all together now, but the summer scares is a, as a subset of programs that we do. Mm-hmm. And we start in January. Well, actually, so for summer reading programming, we start in September. Like you start figuring out based off of the next year's theme, what you're going to do. But yeah. in January, that's when we have to ask our friends for the money. Mm-hmm. And so we create a proposal in January that our director takes to the friends of the library board meeting because their meeting is always just like the week before the titles are announced. I don't know how that works out every year. So I send out the proposal and then the titles get announced on Valentine's Day, which is fantastic because I I love it. Like I re- this year, I was like, wait, it's the fourteenth. I'm in bed, ready to fall asleep, and I and I I wake up and I'm just like, no, I have to find out what the titles are. <laughs> and I literally went and I looked at Becky's blog to figure out what the titles were going to be this year, and it was very exciting for me. But so then we start planning. In February, then, once the titles are released, we'll start coming up with ideas. And then when the programming guide comes out on the 15th of March, that's when we're, like, really setting. Because we actually have to have everything figured out by April 1st so that we can have all of our marketing and everything Mm -hmm. planned for the summer. So we're at a mad scramble in this last week and a half to get all of our summer reading programs figured out, planned, and all of our summer scares programs planned. Yeah. So, um, and Conrad, I, I know you do summer scares things at your library too. So how, for both of you, how do patrons react to summer scares? They, I mean, they really love it. So like we had uh, Daniel Krause and that was really well received. 
We did a Ozarks Campfire Tale program mm. offsite at this at this local park called Ritter Springs, and you know that filled up very fast. Um, had a great turnout. It was a really fun event. So I think you know people really love the horror genre. Like it has its own fans, you know, who are really into it. But then I think just kind of the casual regular old library patron, you know, we all like to be scared sometimes. And I think a lot of times in the summer, you know, you're thinking about that kind of thing. You're thinking about camp stories and being spooked at summer summer camp. And I think summer lends itself to the horror genre. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everyone thinks it's only October, but, but it's not. It's so many, you know, classic horror movies might also take place in the summer. So yeah, those you know, summer, all those summer camp classics. and Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's a, you know, there's always an audience for it. But I, but I also think that the time of year, um, and especially things where like, you know, the campfire tales was sort of marketed toward adults, but like, it was definitely something where, you know, a lot of uh, people came with their children. So, you know, I think that sort of programming is going to be very popular in the summer. So mm -hmm. that can appeal to multiple age groups. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a nice thing about the series is that it covers all those age groups. And so, you know, there's a lot of potential there to engage with your community during that time of year because kids are out of school. Mm hmm. Yeah, our, our patrons get very excited, at least with the crafts. Like, that's their big thing. Like, if they get to make something, they are here for it. So, and all like, ages, all ages, love all ages. Program. So, we did succulent skeleton baths last year. Uh, so, they were just like little bathtubs. And then she had plastic skeletons and succulents. And so, like, those just went out. They like flew out of here. It was insane. But for, the like book discussion parts of things like the adults are the ones that we're really having interact. Actually, my whole group has been doing this since last. So since last summer scare. So in 2022, we've been doing a horror book club now. And so mm -hmm. it's called seasonal screams. So it covers everything else, but summer scares. And so we've been, we've been meeting since last summer and going and just continuing our reading of different horror books. So it's very exciting. Um, and so I have a core group of, of people that, that like it reading and, and joining the discussion where we really fall is like our, our young adult and our middle grade, like we'll get kids who come in and like read the book and like, but they like are too busy with, you know, summer activities and sports and all of that stuff that they're not really coming in for like the actual book discussions and all of that. So like, that's where we struggle a little bit. So we're trying to figure out stuff that'll draw them in. That's not just like, here's a cool piece of art to make. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the art can be a gateway drug. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you tell patrons who think that horror is not for them? I tell them I, I, I thought the same thing. Like, yeah. uh, to be a, totally honest, I was a historical fiction, mystery-only girl for the longest time. And I had to do a display for Halloween in, like, 2017, I think it was. And I ended up reading Paul Tremblay's uh, Head Full of Ghosts. Mm -hmm. and that was my gateway drug. I was like, wait, this can be horror. Cause I can't watch horror. I, my brain does not 
compute that, but I could read horror and I didn't know I could read horror until I read Paul Tremblay's Head Full of Ghosts. And so I read that and I was hooked. And so then I obsessively went back through the Horror Writers Association winners of the Bram Stoker Awards from like 1997 to present. And I'm like, which one am I going to read next? And I have like a list of all of the ones that I'm going through. Nice. So I just tell them, I'm like, give it a chance. Because like mystery, like mystery. So mystery, you can write anything in anything. Like you could could do a Google search for, you know, some weird topic and mystery. You will find a book written on that. And it is the same way for horror. You're like, I want a computer programmer who found Satan through, you know, the internet startup dial tone of AOL. Like there'll probably be a horror book for you. I'd read that. I'm sure yeah. if you ask Grady Hendrix, he has one. He'll yeah, tell you. that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> He's just the person to write that book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, right, my approach is generally the horror genre is so great because it gives you a safe space in which to explore what is scary to you in the real world, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we all have to kind of confront these things and deal with them and like, Doing so in a book allows you to process that in a way that's not as scary as it would be in real life. (laughs) So, and, you know, you can kind of get that exhilaration that you might not be used to. Uh, And you know what I mean? Like, I would enjoy reading about, you know, someone being stalked by some, you know, supernatural entity. But if that happened in real life, I would hate it. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an interesting space to explore um, what is scary, but it's also a really great tool to sort of examine social issues. And that's kind of something that I like about horror right now is it's being used a lot to explore sort of what is problematic in our culture, in our world, and to sort of engage with that in a way that is not heavy handed. Right. Cause it, it still has to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. And a little fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I think, I think I don't remember which horror writer wrote it but there's a quote from one of the articles and it was about how horror is about defeating the evil because you know in the end the evil's going to be defeated and so mm-hmm. like it might not always happen in real life but you know you you jump into a horror book you can find the evil that you want vanquished and you can read about him being vanquished and it'll it'll make you feel better whether that's something you were looking for or not but it'll be there Right. Yeah, there's often a like a protagonist and the protagonist might be sort of an underdog and they have to confront this thing that's really scary. And, you know, generally (laughs) they triumph. And so it's a, you know, it's a great way to show like, oh, yeah, I am capable of confronting, you know, what is scary and I can overcome this thing that is scary to me. So generally, despite all the scary stuff that happens, the protagonist, especially in like middle grade and YA, they end up okay in the end. It's a feel-good genre. It, I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we basically read, just a cozy mystery, but yeah. like you know, with a vampire. <laughs> right. <laughs> we ended up reading this thing between us by Gus Moreno, mm-hmm. and like that that whole novel was very significant because it ended up being about grief and like just the horrors of grief and what it puts you through, and like un- unfortunately, one of our 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 readers in our group, like they lost their, their mother during that time period. And they were like, this book actually helped me process it because like, that's 
what Gus was writing the book for was to process the the death of his sister-in-law. And so like, it was a very humbling experience because I'm just like, I, I haven't, I couldn't view it through that lens that these guys were looking, viewing it through. And so just, you know, there's, there's a lot more to horror than jump scares, you know? Yeah. Although they're also jump scares. So if you're into that, so this is probably just a coincidence, but you're both local history librarians. Do you think there's a connection between local history and horror or something that has drawn you to both of those things? Yes. There is. (laughs) I, I mean, so I do a lot of my research for people just scrolling through old newspapers and mm-hmm. you're going to find the weirdest things in there. Like I have an entire folder that uh, in my in my Google Drive that is just last name, last name, tiger murder case. <laughs> there was an individual who owned a tiger when or a, not a tiger, a lion, excuse me. It was a lion cub. They had it. It ended up mauling a six-year-old. They had to get rid of it, and it went to the zoo. And then they moved out of Racine and moved up north. And then they ended up getting murdered. And then it was a 30-year cold case. And then ended up discovering that it was, like, the wife's secret affair partner. And the father finally got justice 30 years later. And I had all of this information because I had had somebody request it because I think Tiger King had just come out and I think they were trying to make like a a Wisconsin version of Tiger King. And I was like, (laughs) please don't do this. Nobody wants that in life. But it was really strange because then like three or four months later, the little girl who had gotten attacked by the lion cub contacted us because she wanted to read the article about what happened to her when she was a child because she knew about it. And I was like... I have it for you. You just wait. I will send you everything. And I was like able to do that in five seconds because I'd already found the weird, strange weirdness of of, uh, killer beast and and murder suicide. Real life horror. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the thing is like, so no matter where you are, like every community is going to have these kind of horrific elements, right? Everywhere is going to have ghost stories. Everywhere will have like strange creatures, um, everywhere is going to have true crime and cold cases and that kind of thing. So there's always a local history element, especially with public programming. And like, you know, for us, at least our local history programming is some of the most popular programming in the district, especially the ones that are kind of spooky. And so, you know, it's a it's a neat way to interact with your area to make it local, you know, essentially. But I also wanted to say it was maybe think, you know, in local history, you get a lot of requests for house history. Mm-hmm. And like more than nine times out of 10, it is because that person wants to know who the ghost is that is haunting their house. Oh. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely a lot of interest. And I think, you know, that's one thing about horror in general, the supernatural, like, I think more people are interested in it than we think are interested in it. Uh, and even than they think are interested in it. You know, I always say like, if you like Stranger Things, you like horror. And, you know, so it's kind of to that effect. But yeah, local history is a great place to be interested in spooky things because there are plenty of them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Conrad. This has been great. I can't wait to see what you guys do this year with Summer Scares. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. 
Professional development is super important for library staff, but finding the time and the funds is real tricky. Booklist webinars are a great way to squeeze some continuing education into your busy schedule. Each free one-hour webinar covers something staff can take right into their work. Like what? How's about picture books, or sci-fi and fantasy books, or craft books, or book group picks, or library management, or library reads? So many topics covered each in one convenient hour. Register to watch the webinar live, or to be notified when the video is up in the archives. All free! All just one hour! Perfect for those days when you only have enough time off the service desk to eat a sad sandwich in your office. Find upcoming webinars and archives at booklistonline.com webinars. Okay, I've got RA for All librarian Becky Stratford and author Daniel Krauss here to talk about summer scares. So can you guys tell me what's new for this year? Well, new for this year is Daniel. We have Yay. a new spokesperson every year. But that's kind of a lie because he's not completely new. Daniel was one of our very first authors five years ago when we started Summer Scares. We picked his YA novel, Rodders, because we knew that it was a librarian favorite. And we had to win people over with this new program. But new this year, like every year, is a new spokesperson. And we've been very happy to have Daniel with us especially because he writes in all three age categories. Yeah. So, Daniel, what? why were you excited to be the spokesperson this year? Well, I mean, I'm excited to uh, do anything, being a librarian myself, to do anything involving libraries. It's a common story, but, you know, that's where all my horror reading began. In the uh, my small Iowa town that I grew up in had a little but effectively creepy Carnegie Library. Yes. That I could kind of roam the very small, but again, creepy stacks and pick out just the, this selection was limited enough that I could just pick out the, the creepiest looking books. Uh, so, I mean, that's sort of my origin story as it is many, uh, many people's. So, I'm always excited to go back into the kind of symbolic creepy halls of our collective libraries. Yes, I love it. I love and I love a, a library that's small enough that you can kind of get to know the collection really well. And, you know, based on the covers, what you think is going to creep you out or what you think is going to make you swoon. And you get to see what's new because you're like, I haven't seen this book yet. Or what someone's returned. It's very exciting. And I love it. So Becky and and Daniel, I guess. What about the books this year? What tell us about what folks can be expect to read for summer scares? Sure. Um. So every year, I know we talked about you talked about this with Conrad in the previous segment. We pick three books in each age category, and just to talk about Daniel's part in this. That Daniel is the one person that changes every year, right? The spokesperson. So the committee stays pretty much the same for that continuity. But when we bring in a new spokesperson, they add a lot to the conversation. So this year's titles are Ring Shout by P. DeJelly Clark, Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas, and The Mary Spinster Tales of Everyday Horror by Daniel M. Lavery. Those are the adult titles. For a young adult, we have In the Shadow of Blackbirds by Cat Winters, and two graphic novels, Squad by Ma Maggie Takata Hall and illustrated by Lisa Sturl. And Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and illustrated by Wendy Zhu. And then finally, in middle grade, we have Small Spaces by Catherine Arden. Living Ghosts and Mischievous Monsters, Chilling American Indian Stories by Dan Sasue Jones. 
and A Small Zombie Problem by K.J. Campbell. I love, um, I recorded the interview before this, but listeners won't hear it until after they hear this part of the interview. But I talked to Julia Smith about the young, the youngest readers' um, books, and I'm really excited about A Small Zombie Problem, personally. <laughs> well, and The Small Zombie Problem has a lot to do with Dan's inclusion in the summer reading program this year, because we're going to kick everything off at JokerCon, which is in Pittsburgh, which Daniel is one of the guests of honor. And you want to talk about why zombies are important with all of that, Daniel? Yeah, talk about zombies in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I like the title, um, A Small Zombie Problem, too. Is yeah. It, yeah, just a small zombie just problem. Just a little bit. But, you know, Pittsburgh is the home of zombies. So the ancestral home is Africa and Haiti, where you go back, go way back to what the original ideas of the zombie were. But the zombie as we know it was popularized by George Romero, who worked, of course, in Pittsburgh and mainland living dead there. And my relationship with Romero goes back to, uh, well, youth when I was a big fan as a kid. But then, of course, I finished his, posthumously, his novel, The Living Dead, that he had started. Which is so exciting. I mean, that must have been like a huge dream come true. Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, it was, I would say, it's beyond a dream come true because it's something I wouldn't have ever even dreamed of. You know, and R Romero was really my origin story. So to sort of get to complete his zombie cycle, complete the thing that sort of begun me was a closing of a big circle. So I'm a guest of honor Pittsburgh, which is really the, the best place I could be at because of my relationship there and my just my love of Romero and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has become kind of the second home of mine. So uh, any it, we really wanted to, if possible, get something zombie related on the list of books. So, you know, the, the most obvious one here is a small zombie problem. But I'm sure the StokerCon this year should be filled with zombie talk. Yeah. We can only hope, right? Right. And um, Becky, do you want to give a quick plug for Librarian's Day at StokerCon while we're talking about it? I would love to. So every year at StokerCon, and this year um, StokerCon is in June. It's just before ALA Annual. And Librarian's Day is always the Friday during StokerCon, which would be Friday, June 16th. And what we do every year, so if you can't make it this year, you still have time for next year. Every year on the Friday, we have a full day of programming that is geared toward librarians and includes lunch. And this year, it's for the low price of $75. Ooh. And you get to go all day to all the programs. And they are very specific to library workers of all ages. So, for example, this year in the morning, we're going to be focusing on book talking, and uh, library programming that revolves around horror using example librarians from all over the country, including in the Pittsburgh area as well. And then even have a smaller conversations with those of us on the library team, moderating different table conversations about using horror in your libraries and answering some of the questions. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have more traditional panels. So all of the guests of honor, including Daniel, all right, Alma Katsu is another one, a former Summer Scares spokesperson, among others. Yes, we talked to her last year. Yes, we did. And then are going to be on a panel talking about horror in general, introducing themselves. Also, Al Going Back, who I just reviewed his mm -hmm. book in the April, one of the April issues, his new book in Booklist. So you can take a look at that. But a few others. And then we're going to also have a panel about extreme and erotic horror because it's extremely popular, but indebted. But also because one of the guests of honor is also Rath James White, who is one of the founders of the Splatterpunk Award. So we wanted to take advantage of his expertise. 
And then finally, at the end of the day, Daniel will be back to talk about summer scares and how to use it in your library to bring it back to today's conversation. Awesome. So in the, with the book selections, is there any thread that goes through all of the books? Or are you trying to get kind of as broad a sampling of the genre as possible? So the idea is to have books that are not brand new, but are not so old that they're out of date. So we really try to hit that two years ago is the earliest it could be. And mm-hmm. 10 years ago is the latest that it could have come out. So we're trying to be in that sort of sweet spot of backlist. And we're very conscious of not just representation, making sure men and women are equally represented and we have different perspectives and identities involved. But we're also very conscious of the level of scares. And I know Susan and I worked on an article in Booklist a few years ago about that. It's very important, right? We want to make sure we have some of that more intense to that more chilling. Or sorry, to that less chilling, to that more fun. Like um, a small zombie problem. Right. Well, well, let me let me add that I think that uh, one of my favorite things about Summer Scares is really this kind of emphasis on backlist. I mm-hmm. think is a it's unusual. I think as an as an author, when I was part of the first Summer Scares, it's so rare that you talk about any books that aren't new. Yeah, it's, and to be able to to uh, go back to a book that you, in my case, published and how long probably probably eight years ago or something when writers was selected is such a unusual i mean you get so sick of talking about a book when it's new but when it's old it's it's sort of like seeing an old friend again and it's it also it acts against sort of the mechanism of publishing where they really you know once a book is off the the new rack you it's like you, you can't speak of it right <laughs> the right. publishers have no interest old in news, yeah but the readers do and that's why, you know, libraries are not publishers, they're readers. And it's it's a real joy to be able to go back. To me, it almost feels like a sports hall of fame where you have to be out of baseball X number of years before you can be considered into the the hall of fame. So th- that's that's something I really appreciate about the, the series. Thanks. I also think, you know, the backlist is something libraries have, right? And they mm-hmm. are looking for ways to keep those books circulating. But with horror specifically, when we began this, summer reading program we did have some pushback especially with the books for the younger ages that oh are, are these safe to give to readers i think we get less of that now because horror is so popular but by picking the backlist which we started doing the very first year by focusing on the backlist not only were we giving authors a chance to shine once they were off the new show and their books to stand up but we were saying hey you already have these books we always make sure we pick something that people, we know people have in their collections already. And also knowing that if we go back too far, they might have already been weeded. So I think a book like right. Catherine House is a great example. That's one of those books that has has done well in libraries because of its dark academia setting, which has come back on TikTok recently. Yeah, but it's often, hot. Yeah, it's super hot, right? But it often gets forgot about, right? Because it's not the newest one. It's not the one that everyone's necessarily talking about. So you have that and we can help those books because it was really popular, uh, critically popular when it came out. Mm -hmm. So you have that and we can help you promote your backlist and make it shine and make it look like you did a good job with your collection. Which, of course, you did. Everybody listening did a great job with their collections. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about 
writing, Daniel. So you write, you write for middle grade, you write for teens, and you write for adult readers. Is there a difference in writing for these age groups? Or is there anything that's true kind of across all ages that for scariness and horror? Yeah, there's differences and there's consistencies. I think dread is probably the biggest consistency. Mm -hmm. Probably if there's a common elemental horror that stretches across all subgenres and ages, it's probably dread. I think even comic or humorous horror has some element of, of dread involved. Uh, I, I think there's, for me anyway, and this is individual to me, there's not a lot of difference in content between YA and adult. Mm-hmm. I can, I, I pretty much, I, and again, I'm sort of on the, the, uh, the upper edge of YA, but I would pretty much write the same kind of things for that. I think you'd probably get pushed back on sex stuff in YA, but you, right. you, you generally, I went about as far as one can go with the violence stuff. And I, you know, I didn't really get any massive pushback on that. And, and again, my, is, is he even the pros? in my work isn't all that different between my YA and adult work. It, it definitely changes with the middle grade. You're just working mm-hmm. with a, a smaller language set, obviously with your readers. So, and you might, you know, there might be sites, hellish sites that you might want to somewhat shield or infer more than um, show in all its glory. But, you know, really it's, I always feel like if there's more similarities and there are differences, that this is a common question I get, but it's really not as, for me anyway, it doesn't feel as difficult or as puzzling as it might look. It's it's all cut from the same cloth. Yeah, it's all scary stuff. And I like that dread is a common thread, not to rhyme, but I just did. It's really true. All ages <laughs> can capture that sense of dread and can relate to it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Can you talk about your, you have a book coming out in August called Whalefall. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And I know, um, I know Becky read it because she reviewed it for Booklist. So can you talk about it, Daniel? Tell us what what to expect and how scary it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is scary. It's a horror in the way that I think Jaws is horror. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not, there's nothing really supernatural in it or anything like that, but it's a story about a, a scuba diver who is swallowed by a sperm whale and has one hour of air to get out of the whale. And this is, you know, obviously a story that has roots and myth and religion, mm-hmm. um, but it has never been taken seriously as sort of a, a scientific reality. Could this really happen? So I worked with very closely for months, I worked with whale experts and diving experts too, to, to, to fashion the story in a way that was as as 100% scientifically realistic as is possible, knowing what we know about sperm whales, which is not complete and will probably never be complete. But to the best of our knowledge, it's realistic. So it's kind of fits into that vein of 127 hours, the Martian, sort of this very realistic, in this case, real-time suspense thriller that is, you know, scary in a sense that it is, it is about the most claustrophobic story uh, you can imagine being in a whale stomach is like being inside an elastic sleeping bag, basically, except that it chews you. Whales, whales, sperm whales chew with their stomach instead of the mouth. Oh. Um, and it's filled with methane and it's filled with toxic gases and acid and also giant squids who are trying to kill you. 
So it, it's really just the most intense crucible possible. And I think it kind of straddles that line between action and adventure and horror. Um, and it even gets a little cosmic in places. Nice. As the, the, the diver begins to hallucinate and think that the whale is his father. He was out when he was swallowed, he was out diving, trying to find his father's remains because he had died in these waters the year before. So he starts speaking to the whale and the whale kind of has to, as, as in the voice of his father, tries to get him to remember all the things that the father had tried to teach the son about that diving, sea life and whales and survival. To save him. Wow, well, that's really moving. I will also say though, in, in true Daniel Krause fashion, it is also more than that survival story. I know uh, Daniel, your book got a got certified, right, by for uh, suicide prevention. Yes, yes. Because the book involved suicide, my publisher sent it to the. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of the society, the Society of Suicide Awareness, or something like that. Yes, yeah, so they they gave a very very rare, full on, full throated endorsement of it, saying that it was it treated the idea of suicide in what they consider an exemplary manner. Which is, which is, of course, really nice to hear when you're dealing with uh, touchy subjects like that. Yeah. When we get it right. And it's nice to hear that that part anyway turned out all right. Yeah. That's wonderful. So any favorites on the list of titles for this year that you're, that you really want folks to, you want to give a special shout out to? Yeah, there's a couple that I'm particularly partial to. I think... Ring Shout by Pete mm-hmm. Jelly Clark is, I'm just a huge Clark fan. He really is one of my favorite living authors. So my hope when I became spokesperson was that I could somehow get a one of his books on. And this seemed like the most likely since it's probably the most horrifying. Mm-hmm. The way he works, it's a tricky thing to write a book about the KKK and kind of make it, turn it into a fantasy horror a vehicle where there's where the the Ku Klux Klan are sort of these demonic beings. Like it seems like that's a that's a treacherous road to take, but he does yeah. it just incredibly well, and it's it's way more fun than you would expect, and exciting, and it is both very serious and just a joy to read. Uh, it's a real uh, high wire act on that one. And I've always been a fan of Cat Winters in The Shadow of Blackbirds, um, a YA novel that was right near the edge of our cutoff. I think it was about 10 years old. So I was really glad to be able to grab that, get that on the list um, before it uh, expired. Yeah. That's uh, sort of, and it's sort of timely too. It was about the sort of the Spanish flu, I believe. It's yeah. been forever now. But, you know, it's it's about a pandemic, essentially, and how people dealt with that. And of course, it, it it works in kind of spirit spiritualism and uh, that sort of seance movement. It's just a really great historical horror novel with a lot of impressive texture and really specific detail that I've always been um, really impressed by. It's a good time to do a little bit of how the sausage is made too, right? Because that book had been on the list for many years. It was on the list before the pandemic and almost made it. And then during the pandemic, we were like, no, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and when we start the process every year with the new spokesperson, we bring forth the list of finalists from the year before. And 
Daniel was like all in on in the shadow blackbird and I loved it. And that gave us enough push. And we, and then I think it was Conrad who said, well, it's going to lose its eligibility soon. And we're like, okay, pandemic's still close, but we're going to, you know, still on our minds, but we're going to put this in there. Yeah. Um, and that was very good for me. Also, I, I love ring shout and we talked about Catherine house, but I really like this, the Mary spinster. It's another book that was very popular when it came out. And it was first published under a different name, mm-hmm. but Daniel has is a trans man, and it's been republished in that new uh, under that true name now. And what I love about it though is it captures that other really popular subgenre, the fairy tale retelling, yeah, which are extremely popular. And we do work with the archives, the horror collection at the University of Pittsburgh, which houses Romero's papers and Daniel's papers, among others. And they have a very robust collection with fairy tales as well. And so we're working with them to provide programming for libraries with that book. And I do want to do a shout out to Squad and specifically to Mary Takata, uh, Maggie Takata Hall, who very in April had a very public dispute with Scholastic, who tried to censor the the acknowledgments of her next book because she talked about racism. Actually, she gave an author's note very similar what last year's spokesperson Alma Kothu did in the fervor mm-hmm. and a lot of us came to her support and Scholastic allowed her to keep that in they were really worried that Florida would ban the book right. when she talked about racism right and I'm super happy that we pick her and her graphic novel so that we can highlight this and give her a chance to have an even stronger voice and I just love that we have two graphic novels this year we kept going back and forth we were like you know, well, we usually only have one, but we were like, you know what? We like both of these. We're going to do this. And again, Mooncakes was an alternate last year. I'm not going to talk too much about the middle grade because you said to talk to Julia, but yeah. I am very excited about the nonfiction with the the Native American story. Yeah. That is really, I'm excited to bring those to more kids. Yeah. Yeah. That one sounds really great. Not as great as a small zombie problem, which is my favorite based on the title, but and then in that collection of middle grade, you know, the, the small spaces is from an extremely hugely popular series. So we that's the title we're using to draw libraries in to follow up because small spaces is hugely popular with children already. Nice. Well, I'm really excited for the program this year. I can't wait to see what libraries do with it. I can't wait to hear what kind of discussions they have, what kind of great programs they do. And you guys always put together such a great product for them to absorb into their summer reading really exciting. Well, thank you. And this year, we're really excited to have even more work with you at Booklist. And we're going to be hosting our author panels on Booklist as regular webinars, right, Susan? Yes, thank you. So every year, Summer Scares does panel discussion with the authors of each age group. So there are three webinars. And this year, Booklist is hosting them. So you can go to booklistonline.com slash webinars and see when those are coming up. Um, they'll be coming up later in May. Well, in May, because this is May when this comes out. And hear what the authors have to say about their books, which, as we've learned from Daniel, is always fun. Always. It's always fun. <laughs> always. Even yeah. when it's gross, right? Getting followed right. by a whale. I mean, I have to tell you, whale falling makes my hands sweat. Just the idea of, as a claustrophobic person, it terrifies me. So, good job. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Say, do you like reading? Do you like hearing what authors have to say about their writing? 
then you've just got to hear the Shelf Care interview. It's a quick conversation between a book lister and a book person about their work, their inspiration, and whatever else we can fit in under 15 minutes. Hear Maggie Reagan talk to Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds about Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. Hear Ronnie Curry chat with Susan Mwadi Daraj and Simon Nurali about their series for young readers, Farah Rocks and Sadiq, or to Saba Tahir, Nicole Andelfinger, and Sonia Lau and their graphic novel, A Thief Among the Trees. Hear Julia Smith talk to Tracy Hecht about the Nocturnal series, and more. Can you believe there's more? You can find the Shelf Care interview right on this here podcast feed or wherever you listen to Booklist Shelf Care the podcast. Happy listening! So I'm here with Julia Smith from the Books for Youth section, and we are here to talk about middle grade horror. Hi, Julia. Hi, Susan. Happy to be here. Yay. So Summer Scares, it's happening this year again. We're very excited. What have you got for the middle grade readers this year? Oh, man. I am very excited about all our titles. Always, but these were like special favorites of mine. So yeah, we've got probably our scariest offering is Small Spaces by Catherine Arden. Mm. And that is sort of a field trip gone awry sort of setup where middle grade class is going to a farm and I mean, right off the bat, the farm is very weird. There are tons of scarecrows all over the place, which is just sort of like unsettling. And then the main character, Ollie, she is, she's had like a strange experience prior to this field trip and everything sort of comes together while they're out. And then on their way home, the bus breaks down. And that sort of is when everything starts happening where there have been like these cryptic warnings and she knows that she needs to like get off the bus and get out but doesn't know too much more than that so a couple other like she tries to warn the class but of course it sounds crazy yeah of course and but a couple kids go along with her so they're sort of the the trio who the story follows most closely and like tries to unravel like what the heck is going on. And then she's got this, essentially it's a diary of someone who had lived in the area and sort of this folk story that weaves through and, and brings that historic element to the what's going on now. Oh, that's cool. Sort of plot line. So yeah, they interweave way and Catherine Arden is just really good at making things very creepy and suspenseful as they're navigating these scarecrows yeah. that sort of like come to life oh in certain, yeah, and like creep at you. And they've got like garden tool hands. Oh, no. Like, I know. I know. I it's just like, like these little things, right? So, yeah, it's like, it's good. This is great for I'd say like fourth grade and up for for middle middle school definitely gonna give kids a a thrill so the ones that like those tense stories and everything are gonna have like a really good time with it and 
there are sequels. I think it's like a four book series. Oh, nice. That's set in like different seasons. So this one is in fall. So uh, that's our first one. Yay. And then we've got, I'm also excited. We've got Living Ghosts and Mischievous Monsters, Chilling American Indian Stories by Dan Sossaway Jones. And he is from the Ponca Nation (laughs) and like a story collector. So these are, it's a mix of like, real experiences from people he's encountered on his travels, his own experiences, traditional stories that have been told in different tribes. And so he's like a story collector and storyteller. That's rad. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And he gives a lot of good cultural context for the stories, like the head of each one. And he'll sort of group them into different categories. We've got... Ghosts, spirits, witches, monsters, and the supernatural. Mm. And so he collects different stories in each of those. And some of them are super creepy. And other ones, you know, not all ghosts are like malevolent, you know, so you also get oh good, some friendly ghosts. Some friendly ghosts, yeah. Just sort of like grandma puttering around wanting a (laughs) cup of tea sort of vibe, which is also very nice. Yes. So it's it's a good mix of those. There are like also kind of creepy illustrations Ooh. throughout, but he's another, he's a Native American artist. So it was, I love that it was produced by two people from the indigenous community. And cool. so, yeah, but he does an amazing job of like adding to the atmosphere. Oh, wow. And it has that sort of like scary stories to tell in the dark vibe Yeah, with that. So yeah, we like to incorporate a one book if we can, that is like short stories Mm -hmm. or, or similar in the offerings each year. And we were very excited to have found this book. So yes, that one is wonderful. And then our, Last one is for the younger set. Okay. This is called A Small Zombie Problem by (laughs) K.G. Campbell. And it's just like very gentle horror. Really funny. It's got a lot of... He also illustrates. So he's included illustrations throughout the book. And it's a boy named August DuPont. And he lives in like a crumbling old house in the South with his quirky, high-strung aunt. And he has pretty much been isolated from all of the world. Like he's homeschooled. He's never left the house sort of deal and gets a mysterious letter inviting him to what turns to be his other aunt's house. Oh, and he didn't even know he had another aunt. And that's because she married into like a rival family. Oh, yes, because they both produced. They had like little hot sauce empires. (laughs) And so, yes. So you get a lot of these like secrets from the family's past coming out. But it's mostly just a really lighthearted take on horror and 
kind of family dynamics and and making friends when you feel like an outsider. Oh yeah. Is the the real thing here he the family had been in possession of what they called cadaverite oh. which was like a stone also known as the zombie stone mm-hmm. and so someone in the past would use it to like do like magic shows and raise the dead and like have that be a part of it. But the stone has like remained at the house. And unbeknownst to August, it looked just like a marble. So he had it in his pocket Ooh. on his way to meet his other aunt and passed a cemetery. Oh. And so it raised one of the inhabitants, Claudette DuPont who had died as a young girl. So she's like about the same age to be a friend. Yeah. Oh. But so it's like a really goofy depiction of zombies. Yeah. But it's still like unsettling to have one following you around and not understanding what's going on. But there's no like ill intent on the zombies part. Yeah. So it sounds like my speed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like, I wouldn't even call it scary. It's just funny, really big hearted kind of story. Oh, great. It's got the sort of like some tropes in there, Mm -hmm. but done very playfully. Nice. So so yeah, I think we've got a really solid selection this year. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, you've got something for everyone. Scaredy cats to... The most hardy horror readers. Yes. Which I love. Can you talk a little bit about the selection process? Because, you know, every year we get this great mix of books, but I don't yes. think we've ever talked about how you how you build that list. So we start off each year by just, it's a big brainstorm. We have a shared document and we, all of us just like, throw titles in there that have caught our eye whether we've read them yet or not Mm -hmm. as like contenders and we can contribute to any of the age groups because summer scares is for middle grade teens and adult yeah and they each get three books so that's how it starts and then we just sort of like start taking a closer look at the recommendations and then we start narrowing things down as we take a closer look and I'll usually like, you know, take that list to the library and check out a whole bunch and just like have a good time with them piled up around me. Yeah. Taking, you know, I'm not reading at that point, I'm not reading them cover to cover, but you can get a sense of the book. Mm -hmm. And because we really do want this kind of mix in our titles that is a thing so like if we had five that were all historical horror um we'll probably if if there's like one really strong or even two really strong from that we'll probably try to get it to just one of those Mm -hmm. to like keep the representation we look at the authors we want a mix of backgrounds and experiences Mm -hmm. and that representation as well so that is something we pay attention to in our selection. Happily, it's becoming way easier as like more as the larger publishers are starting to pick up a more diverse group of authors. And like I feel like horror is having a good moment 
yeah, right now too. So like we're seeing even more things coming out from a wider variety of voices and it's great. Like we love that. Yeah. And I think it's good for everyone. So yeah, we, we do that. And then we have like a few rounds of voting where we like get the list smaller and smaller mm-hmm. until we, we all agree. And you know, it's, it can be ruthless, but the oh, nice no. thing, you know, mostly it's all nice, but like we could about like things that just have to go, even if like someone's clinging on. Yeah. A little heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the consolation on that is that we can, it's usually up as a contender the next year okay. because we look at a wider window of yeah. publishing. We don't use things that have just come out this year. So it's like within 10 years of being published. So okay, a good. lot of times a book can like stick around for a, a few rounds until of these. It, until it makes it on the list. Yes. Like yes. the people who try and out for American Idol every year for like four years yes, and then they finally uh, make it. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. So that's sort of the the process. This year we really were hoping to get a zombie book in mm-hmm. because we are, I don't know that it's a partnership, but we're, the Summer Scares is in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. The Horror Writers Association, sorry. Yeah. Their conference is going to be in Pittsburgh this year, which has the Romero Center, the George Romero. So, And he's a big he, zombie guy. He's the zombie guy with Night of the Living Dead. So there's going to be some programming and and events done in conjunction with that center. So we we wanted to like play on their strengths as well. Yeah. And give them some like zombie stuff zombie to work stuff. with. Yeah. So nice. That was in the mix, but we had been considering a small zombie problem for a couple years already too. All right, and this was its year. It was. Yep. Perfect. Yes. Well, that sounds so fun. And I always feel like, okay, I'm going to read the middle grade titles because I'm too scared to read the adult titles. Yeah. But it sounds like the middle grade, I mean, small spaces sounds like too scary for me even. It's a little scary. It's, you know, definitely you'll be good with a small zombie problem. Maybe just a small zombie problem for me. And you could pick around in living ghosts mischievous monsters but there's some like okay real creepy stuff in there and it's yeah for i'd say the average reader it's fun because so many of these stories and figures aren't widely known so i mm-hmm. think just in that it's it's got a lot of good surprises in there because it's yeah. not all vampire werewolf you know the the mainstream monster right. sort of deal. So it's got really interesting things. Cool. Yay. Well, thanks for talking to me about Summer Scares. And I look forward to the program and all this fun stuff you guys are going to do. <gasps> thanks for having me. Yay. Thank you to Conrad and Rebecca, Becky and Daniel, and Julia. But that's not all the Summer Scares goodness we've got for you. This year, the author interviews are being presented as bookless webinars. 
That means you can go to booklistonline.com slash webinars to register for one of the three programs. Booklist Julia Smith interviews the middle grade authors Catherine Arjun, K.G. Campbell, and Dan Sasue-Jones on May 12th. Librarian Emily Vinci talks to the YA authors Maggie Takuda-Hall and Lisa Sturl, Suzanne Walker and Wendy Shu, and Kat Winters on May 24th. And novelist Yaika Sabad sits down with adult authors Pete Jolly Clark, Daniel M. Lavery, and Elizabeth Thomas on June 9th. If you're listening to this after these webinars have happened, no need to worry. You can watch them from our archives at booklistonline.com slash webinar hyphen archive. And that's it for this episode of Shelf Care, the podcast. Thank you to everyone from Summer Scares for chatting with me about this year's fabulous program. You can find the list of titles we discussed at booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care. If you like what you've heard, won't you consider rating and reviewing us on your nearest podcast app? That will help others find our bookish goodness. Thank you kindly and happy reading. Happy reading.